Hi, my name is Christy, and this podcast is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, relationships, and singleness from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I just want to start out this week by saying a huge thank you to every one of you who has left a review on Apple Podcasts, sent me messages through Instagram or email, and just encouraging me and telling me how you've enjoyed this podcast. I think I've probably said this before, but my love language, I'm pretty certain, is words of affirmation, and so that means a lot to me. And the Lord has sovereignly timed your messages to come on the days when I do need that boost of encouragement. So I just want to say thank you so much, and I'm truly indebted to you all. Today, I have a returning guest, Lynn Brown, who is going to talk with me about the beginnings of a relationship. This podcast does not focus solely on relationship advice, as so many other resources for single women do, but we also don't neglect it either. The questions I'm asking Lynn might be unconventional, such as, what if the guy in the relationship is not bringing up spiritual topics? Do I assume he's not mature? Or what if he's moving too slow or too fast? How do I navigate that? Or if I've been set up with someone, what level of initiative should I expect from them? Should I expect them to be pursuing me from the get-go? The topic of relationships falls into that gray area into a Christian's life, but I think you'll be encouraged by how many scripture references Lynn points you to to ground each of her points in truth. She does have a background and a degree in biblical counseling, so there's no surprise there. So please help me give a warm welcome to Lynn Brown. Lynn, you told me before, or I told you before, that I feel like I've struck gold with you because not only do you have a degree in biblical counseling, um, but you help lead one of the ladies' ministries at Grace Community Church, and you walked the single path for some years, and you have a podcast of your own, so you understand this platform, and God allowed our paths to cross at church through a mutual friend, and here we are on our second conversation. So for the benefit of those new to this podcast, can you share a little bit about yourself and tell our listeners about the podcast that you run? Well, sure. I would be happy to do that. And I am just excited to be with you again. And it was wonderful the first time and even the second time when you were on my podcast talking about heaven. So that was a joy as well. I am married. I've been married for 13 years. We just had our anniversary. And I love this because I'm not a Star Wars fan. And I didn't know this until later, but we did get married on May the 4th, be with you. So 
I'm married 13 years and I have two adult stepkids. I did not get married until I was 39. So that's a story in itself. I've been at Grace Church for 22 years. I serve in Every Woman's Grace as a leader and that is a joy. My husband serves on the sound team in our fellowship group and we both are certified biblical counselors and we love to do that ministry together. And then I am the host of the podcast, Utterly Astounded. And that is a podcast just looking at eschatology. So I am very interested and fascinated with the last of the last days. And I do believe we're living in those times. And so I'm taking kind of what's happening in the culture and biblical truth and just practical living in the situation that we're in and rolling that all together and giving encouragement to believers during this time. So, and that's been really fun. Oh, that's neat. And you do such a wonderful job with your podcast. I always enjoy listening to it every week. Oh, thank you. You have a lot of neat guests on your show as well and people from church and around. So yeah, it's neat how you also interview and, and pick the experts that God has placed in your life. Yes, that's been really fun. Well, before we dive into our discussion today, I need to just throw out the caveat, and I think we've already talked about this when when we've hit on relationships before, but there's no cookie cutter approach with giving relationship advice. What advice I would give to one friend might be different to another friend based on their personalities and the circumstances of their relationship. So it's kind of a gray area, but we are going to hopefully hit on biblical principles and wisdom that you can navigate this part of your life. So just know that and know that, you know, these conversations where I'm interviewing, especially on these topics, um, I'm not trying to cover every scenario and context. These are just my simple questions that I'm seeking answers for, and I hope that they'll be a blessing to you as well, to the listeners. So we're going to hone in here on the beginnings of a relationship. And this can be maybe a somewhat awkward time (laughs) in the relationship process. Um, And for many Christian single women who may not have much dating experience under their belt, such as myself, um, there are a lot of unknowns about how to handle some of these first uh, steps. So we're going to go right into the first question here. And it is, it's very easy to jump the gun in your mind when a guy asks you out. How do you keep your mindset right and your heart in check so that you don't start mentally planning the wedding on your first day and putting your, his last name with your name and all of that? How do you keep at the right level at the beginning of a relationship? Right. Well, I was notoriously bad at this. I was planning the wedding or at least trying on his last name within the first five minutes of a conversation. So I do think in part that is the fun of dating. But you need to balance that, of course. It's really like anything in the Christian life. We need to be Holy Spirit controlled, and that includes our emotions and our expectations. So I would say there could be a sinful preoccupation with the future that would be anxiety around the potential relationship, or if things don't work out exactly like I plan, I'm going to be upset and that's going to send me down the rails. And then, though, there is an 
anticipation and excitement about the future. And that's God-given. For instance, we're anticipating heaven, right? And we've even talked about that. And God gives us imagination. I think it's nearly impossible to not imagine what if this is my future husband. And so I always found it difficult to repress that. And I don't know about you, but I would often hear people quote Proverbs 4.23 when there was any kind of dating possibility on the horizon when I was single. And that is keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And that's chapter four in Proverbs. And that's about being wise and heeding instruction in all manners in life. Because, of course, the heart is the seat of everything, the will, the emotions, the thoughts, our desires. So that's a general principle for the Christian life, I would say. Not not specific to dating. I think you can import that for dating as well. But that's keep yourself from the corrupting influences of the world. And your heart is always active. So be sure it's in a Godward direction and that your affections are set on Christ. And then I think just practically, it's it's helpful to remind yourself, maybe before that first date, to rehearse things like, where is your hope? It needs to be on the steadfast love of the Lord, like it says in Psalm 33, 18. Where is your desire? One of my favorite verses is Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Where is my joy? Psalm 33, 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise him from the upright is beautiful. Where is your peace? Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So rehearsing some of those truths, even before you go on a first date, I think will help settle you. Now, that being said, there are people who do start planning a wedding on the first date. You've probably heard those stories. A guy goes on one date, he comes home and he says, I just met the woman I'm going to marry. (laughs) It happened to my friend. After one date, she called her parents. She said, I met him. He's the one. And they were married six months later. My other friend, she and her husband talked about marriage on the first date. They've been married 40 years. So I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I'm, I'm just more inclined to give leeway. And I think that's part of the anticipation and the fun of a new relationship. I think it's important, you know, this podcast is called Smiling at the Future. We're looking with hope, with expectation. We're not looking with dread or worry or anxiety at what's to come because we know that God is leading and guiding and directing. And I love how you said to pray before the first date, commit the time to the Lord. And that really does free you up from taking that pressure maybe off the first date because I know it's hard to be yourself. So just yeah. And, and that'll help you be gracious to the other person too, to the guy who might be nervous as well. And it's good just to also have a reality check, you know, hold yourself to reality. Um, also that you're for right now for this evening or this time, you're 
going to have the chance to get to know this guy. And um, there could be more dates down the line. You don't know that. You don't want to presume on that, but you you can be hopeful still. But just enjoy that time, uh, regardless of how it turns out. And people are interesting. So just the opportunity to sit down with a brother in Christ and learn a little bit about them and um, allow them to learn a little bit about you. Um, that's going to be enjoyable. Right. And it's just keeping it in perspective. Definitely. Yes. Okay. So my second question is, when is it okay to start bringing up more serious or spiritual topics? And what if the man doesn't initiate these types of conversations? Should I assume he is not spiritually mature and would not make a good spiritual leader for me? Well, <laughs> that, that really, I think, in some ways depends on the people involved. For instance, I'm the type that goes for the deep dive pretty early on. I want to know his character, his life story. I want to know that he's interested in mine. And I don't, I don't think that he has to initiate the conversation, but if I say, so what's your favorite attribute of God? And he's not following that. I think there could be a problem, right? So two Christians dating, they, they should be able to have a good conversa conversation about the Lord and his word. So I would share on the first date pretty much what I'd share with anybody. And that would be my testimony and my ministry and what God is currently teaching me. So those topics would be, I would say, normal synergy between believers. So spiritual maturity kind of depends, I would say, in part on what is attractive to you. Some women want seminary level conversations. And then some would say that spiritual maturity is seen in the fact that you serve in the disabled ministry or the prison ministry. You know, I, I think that's more subjective. So, but initiating conversations, I think the best way really to net that out is people talk about what they love or who they love. And I think that's just an important principle to remember. So if you are dating a man who talks about his work and his family and his softball league and his pet turtle, and those are the dominant topics of conversation, and the Lord and church and the Bible are just wedged in here and there as afterthoughts, I would be suspect with that kind of situation. You know, I think about 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, just even in that verse, is he kind? Is he humble? Does he put others above himself? Does he love the truth? So for spiritual maturity, more or less, you're looking at those, I would say, type of characteristics and how he responds in that situation. So that would be more the, the spiritual litmus test that you would want to take. That's so good, Lynn, because it's are they walking their talk? Anyone can say things and sound spiritual, but are they living that? 
um, by your actions and by their fruit. And sometimes like God, it, it is difficult sometimes for men to share what's on their heart and their emotions and things. So if a guy doesn't dive into real deep, serious topics on the first couple of dates, I wouldn't write him off. I, I do like the idea, Lynn, of sharing testimonies and hearing that and knowing, you know, if they are saved, make sure they're <laughs> in Christ. Right. That is your number one question. So <laughs> how did you come to know the Lord, right? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully if you're on a date with them, that's already the a box that's been checked. But yeah, depth of spirituality and depth of relationship with God is measured in many ways. And, um, if you have a real question about that, talk to people that know them, you know, there's other ways to gauge that other than if they asked you how, what you're learning in your devotions and that they're not your disciple or your spiritual leader. Um, so don't expect them to lead in that way on like the, you know, beginning stages of a relationship. Right. And for me always too, I always loved the idea of the respect factor. And I can't say enough about that just in terms of the person and, and how they of course talk about the Lord and how they are going to lead you. Yes. Is this somebody that you think, and this is for me again, that had something to say that was deep and that could teach me and that I could respect and those kinds of things I was looking for. Yeah. And I like Lynn, how you also said it's okay for women to initiate those conversations and see what the guy does with it. Does he run with it? Does he want to talk about that? Does he light up about talking about the things of the Lord or is he changing the conversation quickly and not really wanting to go there? Those, those can be helpful cues as well. So don't be afraid. Exactly. Exactly. And I would say that's a red flag. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a sign of like taking the reins uh, at all. If a girl leads in that way initially, just to like throw out little conversation topics and see what he does with those. So, right. Because that should be the foundation of your relationship and you should be able to talk about those things freely. Again, that's why I said even a conversation that I would have with a girlfriend or uh, in fellowship, those conversations should flow freely, you know, what has God taught you this week? What has been your most difficult struggle spiritually or what have you? I would, I would talk with most people about that. And, you know, maybe here's another thought. Maybe the guy is trying to be sensitive to the girl and not take the conversation too deep uh, early on to just be sensitive and, you know, just casual at the beginning, which is totally fine as well. So that could be a way that a guy is approaching something. So just give a lot of grace. Don't just presume or assume that you know that the guy is not spiritually strong if he's not asking you those questions right off the bat. But that will become clear the longer you get to know somebody and see them in action. So question number three, the DTR, define the relationship. <laughs> Everyone's favorite conversation. When is it too early to have this conversation and can the lady initiate this type of conversation? This is a very good question. It's interesting because it's sort of a both and. It's never too early, I would say, even from the first uh, question about people talking about marriage on their first date. So you can go all the way to that side. And I think I would be careful though about initiating it because 
whether or not the man does, I think is a good indicator of his leadership and intentionality. So if at all possible, you want a good leader with intentionality. (laughs) So you want to wait for him to do that. And I would say if the man is churched at all and he's asking you out, he knows that there is an expectation that you're not just dating to date as a dead end. And so it should be dating with the intention of whether or not you want to get married. Is that a probable outcome? And so just kind of thinking about some of the characters in the Bible, I would say by way of example, you know, you have your Samsons in in Judges 14, one through two. Now, Samson went down to Timnah. I don't really know how to pronounce that, but Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. (laughs) So they protested and said, can't you, basically in the vernacular, can't you find a nice Jewish girl? And Samson says, nope, she pleases me. I want her. Now, I'm not com- commenting on his choice and saying that that's the best course of action. And that woman whom he did marry ended up being a piece of work. And that was even before Delilah. And so we all know he had a problem in this area, but he was blessed by God and is mentioned in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Faith. And I like Samson. He's courageous and forthright. And intentional. And so people would argue he's impulsive. But again, I'm not defending him as a sinner who failed much, but it's an example of being intentional, knowing what he wants. You have men that are more on that spectrum and you're going to know right away and it's going to be clear and they're going to forge ahead, let's just say. And then you have men who are more methodical and take more time. And it depends on the situation. You know, technically, I think Ruth proposed marriage, in a sense, to Boaz, right? She made herself available, but that was acceptable, and there was an appropriate way to do that, and apparently she had to present herself because Boaz was from an older generation and wouldn't want to initiate a relationship with a younger woman. He needed a little nudging from her (laughs) that she was ready and willing and able, She did it within the confines of a proper etiquette for that time. And clearly it was in God's perfect plan and provision since Ruth and Boaz having Obed and Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot David and then union was in the line of Messiah. So you have just different ways that that comes about. But I would hope for a conversation like that pretty early on, but be patient. Love is patient. And I think we'll talk further about the appropriateness of when to bring things up and be the initiator. But in most situations, I'm wanting the man to lead that. And that's really my expectation and my hope. So I think curbing your desire to control the situation and to control the outcome, (laughs) otherwise have much of an idea of his leadership abilities and his decision making. And it's in our nature to try to control things. So I would say learn to submit to the Lord in his sovereign control of your life and your relationship and see it as an opportunity to do that. That's good. And do you think that maybe, you know, a couple that's in their younger dating, you know, maybe they're in their 20s, early 20s, as opposed to a couple that's like in their mid to late 30s, I think that might look different. I think the older you are, the more 
just intentional you are. I agree. I agree that can, ha- that can definitely happen, that you can be more intentional. Sometimes, however, the older you get, I don't want to say lazy. I don't mean it like that. The more lazy you get for the man, it's just that the older you get, sometimes they are less willing to, to commit sometimes or to move forward sometimes as well, because they could be getting a little bit more used to being single. So there is that side of it too. Yeah. And it's hard. And I think it, what, what, um, women in their mid to late thirties are feeling a little more pressure because they realize my, my clock is ticking. Like we need to pick up the pace here. Like exactly. So it's harder. It's harder for the woman as she gets older because there is that, that pressure. So it's even more difficult if you're having a relationship like that and you're not seeing that he's being too intentional or as intentional as you would like. And so you, you do need to, to curb that, but I'll even say more about when to, take the initiative. Okay, good. And pray too. pray for him. You know, God is so much better at working on someone's heart than you would be. So just pray that God will bring maybe conviction where conviction's needed or leadership where leadership is needed and let the Lord do that on their life. You're, you're not supposed to be the one to do that work in their heart, but rely on God to work in that way. And that's a great skill to learn early on and even for your marriage, because then you'll be want, wanting to pray for your husband when he's making decisions, et cetera. So. Very good. Okay. So question number four, what if your first date is really over the top, you know, like the horse and buggy ride, the, the guy that's too big, too soon, you know, he kind of, <laughs> he's moving a little too fast. You feel like how can a girl kind of tap the brake, so to speak, and slow things down? Well, I think you have to be really honest with yourself. If you're having that reaction and ask yourself what you think of the man behind the date planning. So in other words, if I really like this guy, I'm thrilled that he's going over the top, right? (laughs) So do I feel like he's moving too fast because he's leaving me in the dust and it's not about me. It's just about finding a wife and getting married. You know, you can ask that question. Is he going too fast because he likes me a lot, but I'm not having a reciprocal reaction. So what you want to do in every situation is practice speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, may you grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. And then 25 says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So this is about unity. And you want to be honest with your brother in Christ. You want to address him, as it says in Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. (laughs) So I had a bit of this thing happen. I was set up over the phone with a Christian man in another state, and we had a couple of good conversations, nothing earth shattering, but pleasant enough. And so he was coming to town and wanted to get together. And I agreed that that would be a good idea. But when he arrived in town, and called me, I'm thinking dinner, you know, at the most, 
he had planned to take me to Disneyland. <laughs> Disneyland? <laughs> said, oh no. I'm thinking, I don't know if we can talk longer than 20 minutes at this point. You know, we don't have some kind of really solid connection that I'm thinking. And so I don't want to go to a theme park where I'm stuck for eight hours if I decide that I'm not really interested. Or what if he's not really interested? So again, that just takes a little bit of grace and steering in another direction. And so I just said, you know, why don't we just go to dinner for the, this first time around? I think I'd be more comfortable with that. Well, he was disappointed and I could tell that he was disappointed, but he acquiesced and it was really a good thing because I decided after the first date, I didn't want to go on a second date. So if I had gone to Disneyland, that would not have worked out at all. I would have been trapped on, you know, the teacups or it's a small for hours and nobody would have been happy. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's a good tip for any of the single guys listening. When you're planning a first date, plan something like a dinner, but that has the opportunity, if it's going really well, to be extended, like maybe a dinner near like a pier or the beach where you could actually like go and take a walk afterwards or do something else so you can extend it if, if you want to, but right. there's always that like out too. That would be appropriate <laughs> to the time because just honestly, nobody wants to be trapped in a, in a situation <laughs> that they can't get out of. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> and Lynn, I really liked how you brought up the idea that it, it can feel like a guy is just wanting to get married. You check all the boxes. So he's rushing to the altar with you and you're like, Hey, slow down. Like, do you even know me? Do you really want to marry me? Is it just the idea of marriage that you like? Right. Definitely ask yourself that question. I mean, if you're thinking this is, it seems like he's not so much interested, like you said, in who I am or the person that I am. It's more about the idea of I need to get married. And like you said, I'm checking the boxes and you fit. And no, you know, you don't, you don't want that. And I think it has to do with, for me, uh, I was very sensitive to whether or not this person was interested in me. How many questions does he ask about me? How interested in a conversation is he to continue that and not just give a pat answer, but really interested in getting to know that the, the person that I am. And I just have a sixth sense about that. And some people, not so much, but that was a big thing for me. So I netted that out usually very quickly. That's really, that's really good. Another thing that I think you can um, identify if a guy is moving too fast in the wrong way is if he's trying to be physical too soon, that could be a big warning flag to you. And also just as a good rule of thumb, it's easy to have a certain, to feel closer than you are. If you're more physical, if you're hand holding, hugging a lot, all of that really quickly from the beginning, it can be difficult to pull back on that physical affection to slow down. If we're not focused on maintaining a steady pace, we will speed by default. We'll just keep, you know, uh, progressing and moving forward. Yeah. I think it's easy to feel closer to someone when you are physical than, than you really are with that person. So if he is trying to push you in ways that you don't feel comfortable with, that could be a warning flag to you. 
I would absolutely agree with that. And I'm going to talk about that actually in our next session. So the fact that you brought that up is very good. I would say definitely you want to refrain from anything like that as long as possible. And if he is pushing that in any way, that is a major red flag. And one of those types of situations, you might have to state that early on. Kind of define the relationship, also define the parameters of the relationship. So it's one of those, you know, don't touch me unless you're going to propose. (laughs) (laughs) But truly, you made a very good point is that it gives a false sense of what's happening in the relationship if any kind of physicality begins too soon. It just blurs the lines and it's just too easy to uh, go a direction you don't want to go and it gives you a false positive. Mm. And I think it makes breakups more difficult as well, as I've seen couples that, you know, they're all of a sudden hands all over each other and then they're not together anymore. And you just, you could just sense that that has been a real hard breakup in their friendship and, and they're not able to, to be close or be friends after that. So that's absolutely true as well. And I've talked about that, or I'm talking about that in the next session. So that's a very good point. All right. Well, let's go on to the um, next question here. We've already talked about what if the man's moving too fast. On the flip side, what if he is moving at a snail's pace? How can you hit the gas, so to speak, and kind of put some fire in him? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, of course, depends on your timetable. So we might have differing opinions on how slow is slow. You know, in the Old Testament times, I think there was about a year from betrothal to wedding. And I don't know of any scriptural timetable regarding dating and marriage. In other words, not being beholden to anything. And that means fast or slow, really. In 1 Corinthians 7.39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as she lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. And I don't see any time factor there. Two weeks, six months, 10 years, whatever. So if you're spending time together as friends and you know he hasn't wanted to make anything more formal, let's say, or you've been dating for three months and there isn't any movement to the next level, The only thing you can really do is say, and I'm assuming if you want to speed things up, you're really interested maybe, and you're not sure where he is in it. So spending time with you uh, is, you know, this is, this is what I would say. Spending time with you is getting more and more difficult because I'm really invested in this relationship. And I understand if you're not, but if that's the case, I need to move on. And I've had to do that. I was interested in this fellow and we were friends and he was happy to have me along as a friend. But at some point, and it's been so long now, I don't remember exactly how this came about, but he invited me to go along once again to do something. And I said something along the lines of, you know, I think this is just a friendship for you and that's all it's ever going to be, but I don't need another friend. I've got plenty of those. What I need is a husband. So I'm going to retreat at this point. And he, he understood that. I mean, and he was gracious about it. He knew where I was coming from. So, or perhaps you're dating and it's stagnating on his part. You know, I would say the same thing in terms of giving myself a time limit and saying, this is how long I'm willing to wait this out. 
And I would pray that he makes his intentions known, like we were talking about praying and asking the Holy Spirit to guide him and you. Proverbs 16, 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So have the same, you know, kind of conversation. And then you just decide how how long am I willing to go? For me, the older I got, the shorter the time I was willing to wait. You know, I think... I think personally, three months is plenty of time to know. Now that's me. If the man is unsure about me after three months, I'm suspect. If he's unsure after six months, I'm walking. But, you know, by that time, because I'm saying you have enough information, I think, about about me or what, what else do you need to know in order to make a decision? Again, that's, that's where I stand and that's not going to work for everybody. But there are some women who will go the distance. I'm talking three to four years. And that may, you know, that may have to happen for logistics sake, like a long engagement because he's going overseas or in school. I mean, there's different factors there. And some women will wait, though, sometimes thinking a man will eventually come around, like he's just afraid of commitments and he's just not ready yet. Well, that tells me a lot. You know, because honestly, if he is not afraid of losing me, you know, I don't, I don't think that he thinks of me like the song of Solomon, like the song of Solomon 3.3, the watchman found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Is that the attitude? You know, the woman, the woman is speaking in this situation, but does he have that urgency about me? And he has that kind of uh, love and, and attraction and desire for me and to be married to me. So I would say if his fear of commitment is stronger than his love for me, then his love for me is not strong enough. (laughs) So I often say this, people are just not that complicated. They generally do what their heart desires. Now, if you're Holy Spirit controlled, that's fine. Do what your heart desires under submission to God. But if a man wants to marry you, he wants to marry you and you'll know it. And if he's dragging his feet, I'm just saying, I wouldn't prefer that. You want him to desperately want to spend the rest of his life with you so much so that nothing deters you. You know, if he keeps putting that off, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but his desire fulfilled as a tree of life. So it's really to the, prin- the principle of treating others as you would want to be treated. I'm going to caveat this though, unless, like I said before, you know, this happens a lot with older folks, for instance, marry for reasons of comfort, security, companionship, and sharing your Christian life together. And you can agree on that. There doesn't have to be bells and whistles. There's people who get married for different reasons. And as far as being a Christian, that is completely fine. You know, God doesn't even say, well, you have to be in love. You're Christians and you get married for those other reasons, that's perfectly fine. So really this principle applies in either too fast or too slow. And that's again, the prayer for guidance. The Holy Spirit is leading both of you. Pray for harmony, pray for a meeting of the minds and hearts, knowing, always knowing God's purposes will come to pass in your relationship. Of course, we're responsible for our actions and we make real choices in real time, but God is sovereign and providential and we are secure in his ultimate will. So I would say that. And then there's appointed times for all things. And I just, I just love this point. I love this truth. I think to rest in this is really helpful. There is an appointed time 
it occurs 57 times in scripture that that there is an appointed time for everything, really. And so even like Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Or 2 Kings 4, 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And so, and then uh, Psalm 102, 13, you will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. So the relationship is appointed and the conversations are appointed. So I think that's really important to, to remember that and think, think of it that way. That's really good, Lynn. I think the other caveat, and you kind of hit on this with this question of what if he's moving too slow, I think another scenario could be a long distance relationship where maybe you haven't had the opportunity to spend much time in person. So try to find, you know, opportunities to take trips and spend time with that other person. That's going to be really helpful engaging how you guys interact and um, if, if it's a good fit. So that's important. And sometimes with like a setup situation, you know, the guy, it might be just slower moving at first because you don't know each other from Adam and you're just kind of, okay, let's, let's get through the basics here. And so that can, can make things uh, drag out a little bit longer. And that actually leads into my next question. If you have been set up with a guy, is there a different level of initiative that he might have in in the relationship or what should I be expecting from a guy in a setup situation? Right. Well, I think both of you are taking a risk and you should see it that way. So as one of my friends once said, when our group of singles all started doing online dating and we were going from phone conversations to actual dates, he'd say, now Lynn, what are your expectations? And I'd say, oh, they're low. I have low expectations. And he'd say, no, that's where you're wrong. You have to have no expectations. (laughs) Basically, I thought, okay, he's right in that sense. The chances of this working out are small. And he was going through the same thing. We were, our whole group was. So that's what we were trying to encourage each other and tell each other. So, you know, not even a small expectation, but just to think, bottom of the barrel. So really just trying to buffer that possible disappointment. It's easier if you go in with no expectations. So if you're set up, I would say that he's taking a chance, you're taking a chance, and he's going to be a brother in Christ. You are willing to take the chance. There could be something there. So I would expect him to just plan a date whether that be just a cup of coffee or lunch or dinner or a museum visit, you know, something relatively benign. And that's as far as my expectations would go in that scenario. Yeah. And usually the people that have set you up, they probably know you or the guy better. (laughs) So they're not going to necessarily be able to say, oh man, you guys are going to be perfect. Even though they'll say that (laughs) they don't know maybe you well enough or the guy well enough to know if it will actually work out. So yeah, don't, that's, that's good. Keep your expectations low. I mean, going back, you can still be hopeful, enjoy the opportunity. You know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying that opportunity and getting to know somebody and 
Exactly. And you're right. When someone sets you up, they're thinking, oh, this person and this person might go together well. And that has worked out beautifully in some situations. But on the flip side, there's no accounting for that special thing, that attraction that nobody can sort of put their finger on. So sometimes that just doesn't work out, even though it looks really good on paper. Yeah. And if the listeners want to listen to a story of a setup that did turn out, go back and listen to Jane and John Tucker. It's like, it's like one of the first few interviews that I did. They share their whole story of being set up and long distance relationship. He was from Canada. She was from here and just really fun to see God's providence and sovereignty working all of that out. Okay. So my last question here, Lynn, is what if I just don't know if I should go on a second date? There was no major red flags, but there's no fireworks either. How do I make that decision? Well, that is subjective. Again, I think it really depends on the person. Kind of, I I think it's important to remember that two people, like I was saying, get married for different reasons. So you really have to decide the reasons you're getting married and what you're looking for. So fireworks, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the whole fireworks scenario and I definitely wanted that. But there are people looking for companionship, you know, or a woman sometimes wants to marry a man to provide financially. Again, and I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that. Christians can choose to marry whoever they want, not because of romance or anything, but because of practical purposes. So it really depends. If you're a romantic like me, and you're looking for fireworks, and there are none that first time, but you had a good conversation, or you had fun, or it could be a situation of potential, I would give it another go, because something could develop. If you analyze the date, however, and you decide you'd rather have spent the evening with your best girlfriend or reading a book, then I would not accept date number two. So that's just a very, you know, personal choice. And I had a friend that would say, you know what, date them as long as you don't want to anymore. So just keep going on the next date and the next date until you say, I know it's clear to me, I'm really not interested in going any further. But that does take some time sometimes. There's people who who were friends and the either the man or the woman really wasn't interested in anything further. But as the relationship kind of progressed, all of a sudden, the sparks went off. So there there are those scenarios as well. Yes. No, that's good that you you brought that out. I My personal take on this is why not go on a second date? If there's nothing that says you shouldn't, um, if it's if it's kind of like blase, you don't have a, you're kind of in the middle ground. Uh, and I have a friend who would give a guy three dates before she made a decision to not go on a date. And she wouldn't beat herself up if she decided it wasn't good, a good fit. She would just say, okay, that's kind of my standard. I'll give a guy three dates. If I'm not feeling it after that, then I'll just, um, you know, move on and not beat myself up. And so, you know, you could have just kind of a standard like that, that you hold to. Absolutely. And you can decide that and you can decide that beforehand. I had a friend who, who said, I don't care who they are or what they look like. Short, fat, and bald does not matter to me. I will give anybody a first chance. If they're bold enough and confident enough to ask me out on a date, 
I'm going to go just at least once. <laughs> and she would. She would totally do that. <laughs> so like you said, you decide what's going to work in your, in your own heart and life and mind. And you say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm willing to do. And I think it's wonderful that your friend said that. I'm going to give it three tries, and then I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm going to say, you know what? I know it's not going to, going to work, and so I'm going to pass. Great idea. Yeah, and like you said also, you know, building friendships takes time. And with many of our friendships, we might not have hit it off right from the get-go. It took like chatting and talking multiple times before a friendship really built. And so think of it the same way in a relationship. It takes time to build a measure of familiarity and closeness and comfort with that person. So just know that you can't build all that on the first date. And, you know, as we all know, we're not ourselves on that first date. So don't judge too harshly. Hopefully the guy is going to give you grace. Hopefully you will give the guy grace to work past those awkward first few dates and build that fun and friendship into the relationship. So. Yes, I agree. Okay. So Lynn, would, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you want to leave with the listeners today? I would just say, expect great things from the Lord and have a really good time. Again, I love the anticipation of the relationship of what God is going to do. If this is the one, I mean, I just had a lot of fun with that. And like I said, I sort of a romantic in that way, but it was just it was just neat because I knew that eventually, eventually he was going to come along. There were times when I wasn't sure, but I, I had that hope in my heart and the Lord in his infinite kindness and grace did answer that prayer. And so I would say just have hope, have expectation and have a really good time. You're never going to get this time period back if you're single. Once you get married, this specific time that God has you in will be over. And even in the beginning of a relationship, that's really fun and great. And especially if he ends up being your husband, you don't want to shortchange those really fun, wonderful moments. So that's what I would say about that. Have great expectations and hope in your creator and savior who loves you and is only going to give you the best. Amen. And don't overthink it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Don't get into the rut of overthinking it. Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. Super, super practical advice. I learned a lot. And yeah, I know all the listeners, most of us are probably in this season of life of dating and relationships. So hopefully that'll just give people food for thought and help them to navigate their relationship. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It was an honor and a joy, and I just pray it's encouraging. <laughs>